Hello, and welcome to episode three of the Cabbage Podcast, produced by Church at Bowling Green in Kentucky, USA. I'm Kenan Ballou. And I'm Lee Folks. And this season of our podcast, which of course gives us the uh, appearance that we're going to have multiple seasons, and who knows. But um, anyway, we are spending some time each week talking about uh, the Psalms, meditating on uh, the Word of God as expressed through the, the um, Book of Psalms. And um, so today we're going to focus on uh, chapter 46 of Psalms, uh, Psalm 46. But uh, before we do, let's, uh, let's, let's start with a, with a prayer. God, we, uh, we're thankful for the word that you have given us, the opportunity we have to learn from you. And I pray that as we uh, discuss this, this psalm that has been preserved for us, that we will uh, learn from it, that it will have an impact on our lives, and that we will be able to, uh, to share your wisdom with the, the people who, who are able to listen to this. God, we, we ask for your blessing on, our, on our, our, our conversation. We ask for your blessing on all that we do as we try to serve you better, and we pray this in Jesus' name. All right, so, uh, Kenan, how was your week this week? What, what, uh, how, what was your experience with, with this psalm this week? Well, I have to say I didn't spend a ton of time reading it. I read it several times during this week, but I feel like I was very much able this week to just be still and to not worry. There's some um, significant problems with uh, my wife is having with health issues that have caused a lot of uh, distress. But I mean, personally, I've been able to really trust in God this week and not worry about a lot of things. With the seas raging in our life, the as we've talked about every week, the coronavirus raging outside, I have been very much at peace this week. So even though I didn't okay. spend hours and hours meditating on the psalm, I did think a lot this week about God being in control and brought a considerable amount of peace to me. And just the words, be still and know that I'm God, instead of trying to do so much like we talked about last week and just just stopping. And I feel like I was largely su- successful and able to do that this week. And I'm very thankful to the Lord for granting me that peace and, and stillness. It's been a, a just a, a huge blessing for me in this past week. That's good. That's good. How about you? Well, um, I, I was thankfully able to to really focus on on this and I I really did enjoy uh, as I was telling you before we started recording I I love this psalm and I'm sure I've read it I know I've read it before but really felt like just by by reading it every day by not trying to rush through to get to the next thing but spending some time on it it really was beneficial to me and I felt like that I gained a lot from it. Of course, now by saying that, it puts a lot of pressure on us to <laughs> really, um, you know, hit this out of the park with this podcast. But um, were you able to leverage this psalm for a devotional series at work? Actually, funny enough, um, I was was doing a devotional for a friend of mine is uh, teaches Bible at uh, Ezel Harding Christian School in Nashville. And he had asked several different people to record a uh, devotional for him. And I, I wasn't planning on doing this. I had something else in mind, but as I did this, I, I, um, I did leverage this. <laughs> to do <laughs> so it you were actually able to, to use it just like we talked about last week. We wanted to not do <laughs> no, no, Well, you know, but it was an outgrowth. It wasn't, um, I didn't just, that wasn't the only reason I was reading the Psalm. I was reading the Psalm. I got so much out of it that it, it flowed into a devotional. So I feel like that's a little different, but, um, 
But you know, so I guess before we before we start, I want to give an update on the Sons of Korra. That was one of the questions that um, you stumped me with last week. Um, uh, but so, did you do your homework now? I did. I did. Um, and it's that's funny, our podcast, not only meditative but also informative. That's right. We like to have a little bit of information. Um, you know, I, uh, it's funny because I had did not realize this was connected, but one of my favorite stories because I'm a little bit twisted um is a story in number 16 when Cora and um who is a cousin of Moses leads a rebellion and tries to get the people to to go back to Egypt and so Moses uh, uh confronts him and they use the my fa- my favorite thing is stand away from the tent and they move away, everybody moves away from the tent of Cora and Nadab and Abihu, I think, are the other two, and uh, the earth opens up and swallows them whole, them and their, their families. Um, and so, so you might say that the earth gave way. Yeah, I would say, hey, maybe that's yes. At God's voice, the earth melted, melted away, or something. Um, but anyway, he uh, evidently it seems that at least what theory is that Korah's descendants uh, continued to serve as Levites. Um, that there's a, a, a thought maybe that Samuel even was um, in the lineage of Korah, and there were several people who um, were were servants of David and um, served. One one article I read said that they served as doorkeepers and soldiers with King David, and so um, some of them, like we see Asaph, comes up sometimes in Psalms. He was one of the sons of Korah. Um, there's a couple of Heman and Ethan were other two others that were uh, named sons of Korah, evidently, at some point. And um, our idea that we had last week is taken already. There is actually a musical group called the Sons of Korah, and they actually put some songs uh, to, to music that were some of the psalms that, that the Sons of, of Korah wrote. So anyway, that appears to be uh, and not, it's not his actual sons, but just descendants of Korah who uh, served David and were also psalmists in their own. So there you go. See, can't say he didn't learn something. Very interesting. I mean, it does beg the question, what of this psalm has to do with their history? And I mean, that's the first thing that I thought of was just the earth giving way. And so if you if if they are the descendants of this of this uh, just famous story of, of history, you know, hundreds of years later, then that's clearly going to be just such a part of their DNA as a family. And so when you think about holding on to God as a refuge, even though the earth is literally giving way, I mean, that they can't help but bring that to mind, saying something like that. Yeah, yeah, that does give it some context. So um, so as we tried to think, I, I tried to think through and identify some themes in, in Psalm 46. And as I started thinking about what the themes were, it, it occurred to me that actually the themes are revealed in, in um, the first verse. Um, the first verse is God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And I, I thought, you know, that's really the three themes of the psalm. It's refuge and strength and help. Um, so I just, I, I want to start off with that, I guess, and, and just talk, you know, like, what do you think about with refuge? Uh, what is, what does that mean to you? Do you think? When you ask that question and when we were emailing before this, the first thought I have was Rivendell from the Lord of the Rings. The I don't know if you've read the Lord of the Rings or probably seen the movie, but Rivendell yeah. for them was like it's it's also called the last homely house, in the sense of just this 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 hidden valley of of a refuge, like a place where you can be a refugee too. 
to go and just a, a place of healing, a place of peace. And I love that idea of this place that's just this sheltered oasis, sheltered by the cliffs, sheltered with peaceful, friendly elves cooking delicious Limbus bread. And to me, that's what the word refuge brings up. You know, as I was as I was thinking about it, I don't know if you I don't know if you have any place like that for you, but I know that like um, as I started thinking about what I what's a refuge for me, my family for I mean, since my mom was a little girl has gone to uh, Cumberland Mountain State Park. The right now, currently, we go about the first weekend in November every year, and um, it's a place that we've we've gone for my whole life, and I, it's something I look forward to. But it is definitely a place that I think of as a refuge. I, no matter what's going on around me, no matter what's going on, we go, we cook. We don't cook whatever that bread is you're talking about. Um, and there's no elves. Um, but we do. We, we get with family. We get with friends. We uh, spend time really focusing on the things that are important. My kids love it there. And um, we get to hike and be in nature. And I, there's one particular trail that I try to go on every every time just to... I don't know, it helps me center, uh, it helps me block out everything else that's going on and really focus on what's what's important. And I just, I, when I thought of refuge, that was the place that I thought of. It's just a place that's very important. Yeah, incidentally, my sister lives about a mile from there, which is kind of interesting. I actually went by there one time and I was at your house looking through your photos and I was like, I, I went there last week. <laughs> yes, yes, um, that's one of my favorite places. Um, and of course, I, I anyway, I don't know if you, do you have any place like that? Um... I can't identify it just a place like that that I've consistently gone to. I think in, in many ways, the, the past couple of years for us here in Bowling Green has been a, a refuge. Um, mm. We had a, our life was just very crazy, very, 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 very busy the last few years in Germany. A lot of that was just for me working more than I should have. Uh, it was the, our life was just 110% all the time. And coming here has been thus far very much like a refuge for me. We've been able to just focus in as a family in a very, right now, a very extreme way, but even in the past couple of years. And so for me, thus far, our time here has felt like a Rivendell. I don't know if that means that we'll move on it someday or not. I don't know. I, but for now, it's been, it's felt like that here. We've been able to focus on our family. The, our, this church has been amazing for us and so that's what comes to mind for me. I don't really have a place like a, a state park that feels like that. Right. And, you know, of course, the other thing I think of when I, I think about this is the, um, I, and I don't know how they took this, but I think of the cities of refuge that God established. There were six cities throughout Israel that were, all of them were within a day's walk of any other place in, in Israel. And uh, it was a place where people who had, unintentionally killed someone could go and, and seek refuge and be protected. And um, they would wait until there was a, a trial. And if they were found that they really were not intentionally killing someone, that they could live there in the city uh, without fear of reprisal for a, a, however, however long until the, actually until the high priest died, which, uh, but anyway, they could, they could live there freely without fear of being being um, hunted down and killed um, because of something that's happened and that, you know something that they've done um, in medieval Europe the pretty much all the churches or the cathedrals would be the same mm -hmm. way I mean that's the plot of the back of Notre Dame that's exactly right others ones and I think it's very interesting it's not just necessarily people that were innocent 
fleeing injustice, but even people that were fleeing true justice. And it's kind of in our case that God is a refuge for us, even when we've screwed stuff up. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, so I think that's the thing with this, that um, it describes the first part of this just talks about um, the earth changing, the mountains falling into the sea, and this picture of this, um, this angry, stormy sea that is causing um, the land the landscape to change, and yet there is a refuge, um, a place of safety that is, the, the contrast of it, of course, is, is um, instead of the stormy sea, there's a river, and the streams make the city of God glad, and it's a, a place where the Most High dwells. And I, I just think that that contrast of this frightening, terrifying earthquake storm thing um, contrasted with a, a calm, peaceful city with a river that sustains is really significant. Speaking of the river, one of my very favorite metaphors in probably the whole Bible from Ezekiel 47, talking about the river flowing from the temple and just starting out like this trickle, this little drop, and then it gets bigger and bigger. And at the end, you just have this rushing life force with the trees on the banks being sustained from it. And I can't help but bring that to mind, talking about a river makes glad the city of God. You know, it's just, life is just such a wonderful thing. I mean, I love being around plants. I'm really excited this year to have space to do gardening. And I've been a lot, spent a lot of time in the backyard thinking and being around plants. And uh-huh. uh, as a kid, we lived near a nursery, which is kind of like a place where you grow trees and small stuff. And I remember that was, I have very vivid memories of a, of a young kid just walking through and just smelling the life in a greenhouse. And even to this day, I love being in greenhouses. And it's just that life that makes me glad too and that's the the metaphor of the river in Ezekiel 47 about bringing life and that must be what the city of God is like just full of life whatever that means like that's where I want to be and I think that the 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 interesting contrast here is that there is a well and I I think this is throughout scripture water can do one of two things water can be destructive as in the flood or something else but also water can bring life and um, salvation. And so I think that that con- that contrast is showing up. So what does strength mean to you when it talks about being refuge and strength? So I tried to spend some time really thinking about, um, you know, when, when we are in a, in a storm, when there is a, a, a natural disaster that's occurring, you know, when we have tornado warnings or um, severe thunderstorm things or uh, even, even the, the virus that's going on right now. There are things that are outside of our control, and it makes us feel very weak. Whenever I feel overwhelmed with trials and tribulations, I feel weak, and I feel um, powerless. And to know that, well, I mean, here, you know, it talks about um, God is in the midst of this city. She will not be moved. Um, it talk, you know, it kind of talks about the nations making uproar and the kingdoms totter, thinking about this, this just a national emergency or, you know, kingdoms coming and going, but, um, but then it talks about that, um, God raised his voice, like we were talking about earlier, and the earth melted. Um, just thinking about the, the fact that when we are weak, then that's when we are able to see the, the strength that God has, where we don't have to worry about trying to do it all ourselves. I don't know. What do you think? I have to say hearty amen. Can't really add much to that. What's, uh, is it Paul that said, when I'm weak and I'm strong? Yes, absolutely. That's what it is. Um, 
But I just, I, I love the way the, I'm not a big imagery person just in general. Okay. I don't, I don't really do that very well, but just kind of sitting with this for you a keep week. keep saying that, but I don't believe it because you well, just keep bringing up the imagery and how much it means to you. Well, I do the metaphors. episode really you well. said, I'm not a poetry person and yet you've been. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm getting there. Um. But just this idea that there's all this chaos going on around, and I really do think the City of Refuge idea really stuck with me this week as I was reading this, that there's all this chaos, all this strife, all these things going on around, but there's this city that's right in the middle that's untouched by all of those. And the king of that city is someone who, who can speak and causes the earth to melt away in those other places. And so there's a lot of safety and security knowing that the, the the king of this city is so powerful. So the third thing you talked, you mentioned in here was about help. Yeah. And, and he definitely helps you know, us. I, and first of all, I, I think even that first, you know, just verse one, he is a refuge and strength, but it's not just, he's a help, but he is a very present help. Uh, my footnote says he is abundantly available for help. And I, I spent, I did spend a little time thinking about that. Just, it's not just that somebody's available to help you, but, very available to help you. There's an eagerness to help. My footnote says well proved. So I think it has a sense of like it's been proven to be true. Yeah. And then, you know, you think about, again, you've got all these these nations and kingdoms going on around you, but then he makes wars to cease the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear and burns the chariots. There's this, it's not just that there's a battle and he is going to help me help. He, he's going to, help win the war or win the battle he, he just makes it stop the the help of not just not just barely winning this battle but but making it go away and take and peace bringing peace really that's the help is bringing peace to to that situation and you know i i don't know what you think about this it, my and i think we we're in different versions that was the other thing i meant to ask you about this before this but um, mine's the New American Standard, and verse eight it says, "Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has wrought desolations in the earth." What What do you think about that? What What does that bring to your mind? Just the the quick first thing you think of. I mean, you obviously can think about like the flood and very direct, obvious things that he's done. I mean, he certainly starts asking questions about our natural disasters. Are they literally intended and caused by God? That's a deep yeah, we're not, rabbit no, that's, hole that's, we can walk around today. That's next but, season. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's certainly, when we put ourselves next to something natural, if we're being wise and not full of hubris, we realize how small we are compared to that. I, I think we keep bringing it up, but I, that is one healthy thing about this COVID virus is that we've just assumed that we're modern 2020 scientific man, we can do anything. And no, we can't. There are strict natural limits to what we can actually do. And that's been a big wake up call for a lot of people. And it's really no one here is really in control. You look at the different uh, approaches by different countries, and you can argue about which was more effective, but none of them just snapped their fingers and made right. it go away. And I'm not going to say that, oh, this is God doing this per se, past the point that all creation is obviously upheld to the power of Jesus. But when we really think about the desolations, we're, we can't do anything about that. If you look at, uh, I saw this great documentary by uh, Werner Herzog about um, uh, volcanoes. Mm -hmm. it's, I think it's on Netflix called Into the 
the Inferno, something like that. It's a great film. And I, I think I pulled it up because one of my boys was asking about volcanoes and I just wanted to show them some video of it. And I ended up watching the whole thing and I've watched it several times since then. And you just get all these awesome shots of this one little, you know, uh, safety suit figure person. And behind them is just this massive rush of magma and nothing that humans can ever do can really hold up to even just one volcano much less talking about planets or anything mm -hmm. bigger than that and we probably as a as humans need to spend more time realizing how tiny and puny we actually are compared to just nature just the things we know about instead of just assuming we're in control I mean, obviously, there's a lot of things we do understand about uh, nature, but I f get the feeling the more we understand, the more we realize we don't know. Yeah, we really focus on the things that we're in control of and think about, we take pride in our technological advances and in our whatever it is, our knowledge. And um, then here it is, this some virus comes through and makes you go, oh, wait, we really, we are, we are really small. In, in the universe, and it is cyclical. You know, I think the the con the comparisons to the Spanish flu in 1918. Um, you know, you you see that. I mean, that's just a hundred years, and that's nothing in in terms of the time that the world has been in existence. And there have been there is a cycle of natural phenomenon that comes about that we don't have any control over, even though people want to have do things to try to help help with um, environmental things at the end of the day there's very little control that we have over over those things i, I want to so that desolations i looked up the word desolation i don't again this is just my version i don't know what the other versions would say but I, one of the one of the aspects or a nuance maybe of the word desolation is just something that's empty or lonely with nothing pleasant in it, it was one of the one of the uh definitions i saw um and that really that really struck me too if if um if if desolation if if a if the world if we think of the earth as being desolate you know we do start to find maybe that pride we start to find a lot of meaning or we put a lot of meaning or we put a lot of stock in the world around us or our our comforts or our advancements or whatever it is or you know the knowledge that we have but you come down to something like this or or you know I'm sure there's other things too that would happen that we we look at that and go you know what that's really empty. I've put my faith in something that is really empty and not able to protect me. Those things are not able to help me in the grand scheme of things. And so then we can refocus a little bit on, or a lot, hopefully, on the, that God is the one that's able to. Now, I'm not able to help myself. My efforts to help myself are puny and terrible compared to the, the peace that God is able Like I said, I spend a little time on that one too. So uh, let's go. You said you said really focused on this um, verse 10, be still and know that I'm God. Tell me about that. How, how did that... What were your thoughts about that this week? Well, I think the main thing was just being still. I think I focused more on that than on on the rest. Just just stopping and not trying to think, not trying to overthink, not trying to worry, not trying to figure it out, but just being quiet. There were several times this week where I just stood outside. So there was a couple of nights it was pretty cold this week, and I just stood outside breathing the really cold air and just not doing or saying anything. It was very... Very uh, therapeutic. Yeah. So why why is it hard for us to be so still? You think? Well, lots of distractions. I mean, we've surrounded ourselves in the modern world with constant attraction generators, and not to say there aren't advantages to that, but you know, there's real consequences of surrounding ourselves with gadgets and 
packing our lives with this and that. And I hope that a lot of people are taking this chance to really try to step down a bit. I've in, I've enjoyed personally the not rushing kids to appointments every afternoon. Um, now everything I'm sure everything we do is great, but it's been nice just knowing you know it's five. I don't have to rush something. Now I got kid A to this place and kid B to that thing, and now it's on Thursday, so kid A and B <laughs> at five fifteen and then five forty five. Like oh well, no, they forgot their swim trunks. Got to drive back. Whatever. Uh, I've enjoyed not doing those things, and they're every you know everything. We try to do sensible, good things, but the sum of all those things ends up not very still. And certainly having a cell phone there uh, doesn't help. It's just a constant attention grabber. And that's, I mean, they're engineered mm-hmm. to grab our attention. That's the reason. Yeah, and a lot of those things made. we do and fill our lives with are kind of counterproductive. We do them to because we want to enrich our lives, and we actually end up being really stressed out about it. So, so. Uh, on that on that verse, first of all, my my version again, the New American Standard says, um, and I have always heard the "Be still and know that I'm God." That's the name of the song, and so I go, "Oh well, you know that's the verse." My version says to um, says, "Cease striving and know that I am God." And um, I, I, so I I thought about spending a little time thinking about that. You know, what does it mean to cease striving? It, um, and and I think. There's a lot of aspects of be still. I think you can look at a lot of that. But the thing I, I've thought about with that is I've got to just be and not do. Um, when I am, and in the context of the rest of the, of the thing, when I am feeling overwhelmed, when I'm feeling like I am powerless, it's not my job to do more or to learn more or to try harder. Um, but those are times when I feel overwhelmed just to stop striving, stop working, just be still, and then know that that I am not God to be to know that I am not the one that's supposed to save I'm I'm not the powerful one to save myself but just be still and know that he is God that he is the one that's able to protect me and he is the one who provide that refuge my version I'm using the ESV and it says be still and know that I'm God why don't we just break down for a couple of minutes like each part of that cuz I think there's a lot packed into those eight words or nine words um, so he talks a little bit about the, the being still part, but what does it mean to know? Yeah, I, I did that too. I, I spent some time on each of those little sections and, you know, I think with that, it's, it's, um, just believing with all your heart complete. It's trust for me. It's complete trust. It's one thing to, to say, okay, I know that, that God's going to take care of me, but it's something else for me to stop worrying about doing stuff and, and really trusting that he's going to take that was that was the piece that I really thought about with that. What about you? Do you have any other thoughts about it's? I mean, I think it's it seems to obviously not be more than just the intellectual one plus one equals two kind of knowing, and more the 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 deeply appreciating and understanding and knowing with your being instead of just recognizing the truth with your brain. So what about what about I? Be still and know that I. It's interesting thinking of a of a God that's so far above us that we can't really understand him having a person and having a, a, a being an entity that we can communicate with instead of just some sort of um, incorporeal presence. And so the I focuses the, you're, you're talking with another person or that person is talking to you. And I think that's very, very interesting. I and mean, that's a, that's a key part of Christianity is that 
God is a person and not just this kind of yeah force. See, and I, I focus on that a little, a little differently. I was thinking I as opposed to myself, like God as opposed to, <laughs> to me. Yeah. God as opposed to science. God as opposed to the, the nation. God, you know, I'm God and not those other things. And I think that's maybe the hard part for me. Again, I can intellectually say those things, but for me to really believe and trust that, that I can't take care of myself. So it says after going, you know, that I am God <laughs> going really deep here. What is it? What do you think that means in this context? Or what is the, the is of God in this context for you? Um, I, you know, I, when I spent I, the words I wrote down here were the creator, the ruler, the, the sovereign. And, and I think especially, you know, especially in this context is talking about, um, God living in the midst of this city. And I think that I think about authority and the power that he talks about. To me, I guess I, I guess authority would be the biggest word that would come that just be still and know that I'm I'm the one that's in charge. I'm in control and I can protect and protect. I can provide. I can there may be something deeper that that's my I don't have much to add to that either. <laughs> um so so Ken, here was my big I had a big revelation early in the week. That really, you know, I, I, I Ooh, please <laughs> pray tell. You know, I said that uh, the city of refuge was a big metaphor for me, but I started thinking about this, um, this section, this "be still and know that I'm God," and and this idea of of having peace and calm in the midst of this storm, and it made me think of the the time when Jesus was crossing the Sea of Galilee with his disciples, and um, and I, I don't have to read the whole thing, but just don't read any of it because we know the story, hopefully, but um, just that he was. Going across the the sea, there were these fishermen who were experienced professional fishermen. That this storm came up that was so fierce that they were terrified that they were going to. That that you really need to underline that these are professional fishermen who spend like their entire life, like twenty yeah. hours a day on the sea. I mean, this isn't like scared. me going in a canoe and oh no, I'm going to tip over. I mean, these are guys <laughs> who did this for a living, and and just the idea that um, you know that the, the the story that they were they were scared to death and they went and they went looking for Jesus and he was asleep. And when they woke him up and they said, don't you care that we're going to drown here? Don't you care that we are going to die? And, and just this idea that there's this storm raging that is terrifying and we humanly are just convinced that we are going to die. But Jesus wakes up, his, you know, we talk about the voice um, the earth melts when he raises his voice, that he lifts his voice and says, peace, be still, be still, you know, like in here. Um, you like what I did there? Ah, and um, I get it. The, the, yeah. the winds and the waves calm immediately. And then he says to them, you know, why were you, why were you so afraid? Still not have any faith. I, I can't help but think about that when I think about the, you know, there's so many things going on and, and they're not. But but Lee, this time it's different. <laughs> it's a virus. That wasn't a virus. That was a storm. Um, but it does, you know, even before this, if we had had this conversation, maybe it would have not hit home as much if we'd had this conversation two months ago. But um, with with the things going on around us that threaten us or overwhelm us or make us afraid and doubt that Jesus is saying, look, I'm, I'm going to take care of you. Why do you do you still not believe? After all the things, you know, and we talked about the, you know, come and behold the works of the Lord. Um, what, you know, what your verse was saying that, which verse you said, but uh, 
the the your footnote on the very you know the first he's proven that he's a help in trouble. Um, we don't have to worry. We do because we think I've got to do something. I've got to row this boat. I've got to get back to shore. I've got to put the hoist the mainsail. I don't know. I'll sail boat. Um, swab the deck. I don't. I've got to do something. But um, but it's but Jesus is sleeping because he knows that it's going to be okay, and he is he is the one that can provide the stability for that. And and one more thing, and then I'll let you talk and say whatever you say. But it it does not. I don't think it's accidental that the next part of that verse. You know, we say, "Be still and know that I'm God." But the next part of that verse is, "I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth." If I have this under control, if I have my life under control and I can handle all my problems and I don't ever get overwhelmed, then how is God going to be exalted in my life? How is the earth and the people around it, or how are the people around me going to see God working in my life? How are they going to know him? And it's as I have times of being overwhelmed, times I have fears, times that I have concerns, that as I trust God with those things, that's how he's going to be exalted. And it's not because I'm doing stuff. It's not because I'm specifically or, or you know, particularly good at, at what I do. It's because God works through God works through me, and uh, that that really was was a that hit me because as we've talked about, probably uh, even though this is only our third podcast, I think we've already talked about this. You know, I'm not really great about telling people what's going on in my life, or I'm not really get great about admitting weakness because I don't like that, and so that doesn't give. God an, an opportunity, not that he needs it from me, but it's it's okay for me to express my weakness because then God is able to be seen as he gets me through this. Yeah. But what happens what happens if things don't work out the way we think? It seems you know, part of me believes that okay, well I I can accept trusting him as long as it works out the way I want it to. And that's the part that uh is obviously the challenge is like okay, well you can accept it God will take care of you, but what about when he doesn't seem to? That's the challenging part. Yeah, and, I, and it's easy to look back at stories like in the boat. They didn't actually die, but it's a challenge. People do actually die, even though you prayed really hard. And, and I think to. that's where you go back to um, be still and know that I am God. The, the The solution may not look like what we want it to look like or think it looks like, because if the solution came out the way that I wanted it to, well, that would that would mean that I had some power or control over this. And I think the, the knowing and believing that God is in control, even when it doesn't work out the way I want it to, that's that submission to, to his authority. We, don't, we won't know everything. We don't know it. I would love to be able to sit here and say, well, this is why the coronavirus is sweeping through everything, but we don't. And so that's when we, rather than working harder to try to figure it out, we just have to sit back and go, okay, you're God and I'm not, we're going to, going to trust that it's going to be okay. But yeah, that's easy for me to say sitting here, but you know, even your situation you're talking about with your wife, with her pain and medical stuff she's got going on, that's hard when it's every day and you pray, you pray and stop. Well, there happens to be someone else you prayed every day to the Lord to help him. You can find it just a few chapters previously <laughs> nice. in the book of Psalms. I did. That was a good See segue. See what I did there? So do you want to introduce our next, um, so, uh, yeah. Going to be discussing next uh, Psalm 40. Yes, because it would be easy to pick and choose some of these psalms and say, look, you know, it's easy for David to pray this because he had all these great things going on or he, he was the king for crying out loud. But we forget that there were a lot of times that things didn't go the way that he when things didn't happen the way that he thought they should, or at least not when it, when it happened. So, so, yeah, so next week we're going to be discussing uh, Psalm 40. 
And um, as we always do on this podcast for the third time, um, I'm just going to read Psalm 40, and then we're going to give our initial uh, uneducated uh, uh, feedback on it, or just initial thoughts. And then uh, I don't want, I don't want to use the word feedback to King David. Okay. I, I would use my initial okay, good. thoughts and impressions. We're doing impressions of King David. Um, <laughs> that'll be a that'll be a podcast. To look forward to next week. Um, no, so yes, yeah, so our initial impressions on kind of what the what the psalm was about. So let me read Psalm forty, and again, this is the New American Standard. I can switch the ESV next time, but just to reiterate, this is not tended to tell you like our thoughts probably don't matter in the scheme of things but most of you listening do know us and so this is just us sharing our own Absolutely. journey through this i really would not want to come across like i'm trying to add to the thousands of years of commentary and meaning on this this is really just our personal impressions and hopefully it's helpful to you we would love to hear your personal impressions and if we're wrong in something please let us know because i certainly want to Grow through Absolutely, this. yeah. If you have, yeah, if we're wrong, then call Kenan at two seven zero. No, I'm just kidding. All right, yeah. <laughs> so positive feedback to Lee yeah, and uh, I'm, negative to me. I'm I'm pretty thin skinned Okay, uh, so let me read Psalm forty. I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay, and He set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. How blessed is the man who has made the Lord his trust and has not turned to the proud, nor to those who lapse into falsehood. Many, O Lord my God, are the wonders which you have done and your thoughts toward us. There is none to compare with you. If I would declare and speak of them, they would be too numerous to count. Sacrifice and meal offering you have not desired. My ears you have opened. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I come, in the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God, your law is within my heart. I have proclaimed glad tidings of righteousness in the great congregation. Behold, I will not restrain my lips. O Lord, you know. I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have, not, I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great congregation. You, O Lord, will not withhold your compassion. Your loving kindness and your truth will continually preserve me. For evils beyond number have surrounded me. My iniquities have overtaken me so that I am not able to see. They are more numerous than the hairs of my head, and my heart has failed me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. Make haste, O Lord, to help me. Let those be ashamed and humiliated together who seek my life to destroy it. Let those be turned back and dishonored who delight in my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame, who say to me, Aha, aha, let all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let those who love your salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified. Since I am afflicted and needy, let the Lord be mindful of me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O oh my God. Wow, that David, he could write. So what are your thoughts about that? Just as you, And I know we've probably, we actually prepped a little bit, knew we were doing this. I don't know if you got to read it very much. I, I try intentionally this time not to spend a lot of time meditating on it yet so we can kind of do this process together. But I have read this before, and what this brings up to me is less, I don't know. That, that, I struggled for many, many, many years with some, some habitual sins that the Lord freed me from. And looking back in my life, and I say the Lord freed it from because I don't feel like there was no success of mine to 
beat Sin, I feel like he took some things away from me. And looking back, it was a miry bog. I, I don't know if I even saw it as such. I did sometimes. And I remember crying out to the Lord and just not feeling like anything was happening. And I am certainly not free from sin now, but there are certain things that have been cut out of my life that, and my life is so much better for the lack of them. And I struggle every day with the wrong desires, which what I believe sin is, is being, is wanting the wrong things. But I feel like my, my feet are closer to a solid ground than they have been in the past. And this is rings true to me, just being in a pit of destruction. And looking back, I didn't realize how it was really destroying my soul every day. And it was a miry bog. And I've, I have felt him make my steps more secure. And it really has put a new song of praise in my mouth because I felt that. And I, I pray and hope that others can see and fear that when they put their trust in the Lord. And so this first stanza here, just I can only say amen and echo it. And I, I felt that in my life. And I, I pray that everyone else who listens to this and everyone else can too. Yeah. When I, and I've only read this, I think once this week, just prepare it a little bit. Um, and my, my first thought was, as I read it, I thought, you know, you kind of think, Oh no, here we go again. Another thing of praise for God delivering you from this situation, you know, I, because in verse two, he's brought me out of the pit of destruction. He's set my feet on solid ground. But then you get over to the end, verse 13, he's still asking God to deliver him. His feet can be on solid ground, but his, his situation's not over. And that was the, the, the first piece that really struck me is like, oh, wait, he's not done, which leads to kind of alludes to your point that you're making earlier, that he's praying and praying and praying and still going. That'll be good. I will look forward to, to digging into Psalm 40 this week. Well, um, anything that we... Anything we didn't cover here, Kenan? I know we've been talking for a while. This is going to be one of our longer podcasts. Well, I, I feel like we've covered literally everything <laughs> there is. To, no, I'm just kidding. Of course not. Um, no, I, I'm really glad that uh, this is something that we've been doing together. I've really appreciated you doing this with me. And I can't remember. I think it was my idea, but it's something you wanted to do for a while. And I think this is actually, I, I like this format. I don't know if anyone else is listening to this, but uh, we were slated to teach the class in church on this uh, topic anyway. And so I think this is a great solution for uh, the situation that we're all in right now. And maybe this can even live longer than just uh, standing up in class with it. And maybe the people who actually listen to us will pay yes, attention Yes, so we've, we've got, um, let's say you're making your wife listen to it. So that's one person. And then early... <laughs> Well, she did see some positive feedback. She said it was great. Uh, because well, that's it good go because <laughs> <laughs> we'll take any positive feedback we can get. But um, so anyway, yeah, so there's one person that's listening. Um, but no, in all seriousness, I, I would say that, you know, we are happy. Those of you who know, know us, we are happy to sit here and talk about what we think about something for a while. But if you're listening to this, we would really love to hear your comments and have your insights too. This is um, not intended just to be Lee and Kennan. Our, our hope and our goal was to have other people giving their feedback. So if you're out there listening and um, can spend some time on, on Psalm 40 and, and send us some comments, we typically, I guess it's our third time, but we've been film, uh, video or recording these, I guess, uh, audio recording these on Saturday night. So if you have thoughts or comments, we would really love to hear them. That would be great. Yeah. But uh, until then... We just wish you a good week filled with grace and peace. We pray that you can meditate on Psalm 40 or any of the other Psalms and 
think about David and the situation he was in. And I hope that, I think we hope that those words can be true to you today too. And you can focus your soul on them and these words that bring life. Yes, absolutely. And that, that the storms that are going on will only allow us to lean more, lean more on him. That's good. All right. Well, thanks, Kenan. I appreciate it. We'll talk to y'all next week. Thank you, Lee.